Amen. Amen. What a wonderful job. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Sing His praises in it. Yes. Amen. Bless the Lord. I want to preach this evening from the book of Acts. If you have your Bibles, open them please to the book of Acts. The very first chapter. We'll give our attention there this evening. Ask God to speak to us. Acts chapter 1. Would you stand for the reading of the Word of God and then remain standing for a moment of prayer? Beginning at uh, verse 6, Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? And he replied, it is not now for you to know the time or periods that our father has set by his own authority. Then this verse, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That eighth verse, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Father, help us tonight to hear freshly. Uh, from a text that uh, we have heard many times. Those of us who have been raised in a tradition, or those of us who have been Christians for any length of time, are familiar with this promise of receiving the Holy Spirit. And... um, we are, we are grateful for the gift of your Spirit and for what it has done and will continue to do for us. But help us to hear this verse in a fresh way. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Amen. Well, uh, Jesus had gathered the disciples together and... Uh, was telling them uh, these words. He had uh, ordered them not to, to leave um, Jerusalem, but to wait there for him, and uh, the, the Spirit would come. And when Jesus was speaking now, um, kind of get your mind in the time frame, if you don't mind, Jesus is with the disciples and he is telling them what will happen. Jesus is with the disciples and he is telling them what will happen. Future tense. He's here with the disciples and the Spirit is going to come. And when the Spirit comes, you will be my disciples. Present day, future tense. But of course now, the Spirit has come. So what was future tense is now present tense. So I want to just catch the verbs up. The verbs up. You are my disciples. You're it. Good or bad, clear or muddy, strong or weak, you're it. We're not waiting on the Spirit to come as if uh, something else needs to happen. He has put all of his eggs into this basket. You're it. Don't let it be lost on you, if it matters even. It should. But this is a red letter text. Now, frankly, I don't know when they came up with that. I, I, 
I, I probably could figure it out, but it's been pretty recent in the history of Christianity. Although I have a nephew who once said to my mother, why did Jesus always speak in red? <laughs> As if he was mad at you. You know, of course, we highlight the words of Christ in red to make sure that we realize as we are reading it is a red-letter text. It is not to say that the other texts are not important. They are. But it is just to remind us as we are reading these are the words of the Christ. Look at me. Don't let it get lost on you. You're it. I one time had a chance to preach in a church that had three services each Sunday morning. Now they weren't sure what they wanted to be, so each service was different. Um, in the very early, uh, very early parts of the service, uh, early early morning worship, first service was contemporary, and. Um, Man, they were having fun. And um, then the middle service was um, what we kind of call more traditional. Take your hymnals out, please, and turn to... And the choir came in and sang. But the last service was even more formal than that. I mean, it was more formal... Is this on? Now it's off. I just seem to be ringing tonight. You, you, you. I mean, I'm a nice guy, but I just got this ring. I'm beaming. Yeah, I didn't, and I didn't even wear electric underwear tonight. Do what? Must be. I don't know what the deal is. Anyway. Maybe I did. Shall we vote? <laughs> I don't think I've ever had anybody say that right out to me. That's a, that's a new one there. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Take his name. Would you take, take his name? Yeah, take his name. All right. Where in the world was I? Oh, this third service. Now, <clears throat> this third service, it was very dignified. The preachers wore robes. And we processed in from the back of the sanctuary. And um, some of you were raised in churches that have that kind of high tradition. And um, we, the preachers followed someone carrying the Bible, symbolic that whatever's going to come, this is leading us. Now, a lot of times in those more formal churches, that person is a designated, been qualified, carries the Bible and comes in. On the day that I was at this church, they had a young boy who was carrying the Scripture. And he was the 11-year-old son of one of the pastors. And he had Down syndrome. Now, when he came walking down the aisle with the Bible, he wouldn't like us dignified folks. He was glad. He was so glad that day to have the scripture with him and uh, to have the job of carrying the word of God. Now, I say that to you just to say, i got a whole sermon to preach here. But don't let it get lost on you. This is a red letter text. These are the words of your Savior, and I'm doing something that 
that if you if you take it out of context, I'm sunk. You, you should never add to the Word of God. Amen. But I'm trying to get the tenses caught up. I'm, I'm just catching up the verb. That's all I'm doing. Are you okay with that? Wait in Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit will come, and when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power, and you will be my witnesses. Wait there till this happens, and this will come, and then you will be. Well, they waited, and the Holy Spirit came, and now they are. If you could get your witness down to just uh, just a few short words, if you could could make it more clear, more precise, you know, one of those sentences where you didn't say later, I wish I had said, I should have said. Wouldn't you take the time to do that? Of all things, I learned a great lesson one night watching Monday night football. Go ahead and laugh. The commentator was talking about this particular football coach, and he said about the coach, that he scripts the first 40 plays that the offense is going to run, regardless of how successful they are on any given play, he doesn't make any changes in the game plan for 40 plays. It is his attempt to get out there what he wants out there, to set the tempo that he is wanting to set, for the game. They might make have to make changes, but his best ideas, the first 40 plays, he is scripting you're it. Wouldn't you take the time to script it? To get it down? He called you to be a witness. A witness is different than, um, say, an apologist. A witness is to have knowledge of uh, an event or a change, perhaps from personal observation or from your own experience. I've seen, I have seen it. I have witnessed it. This is what happened to me. This is what I know about it. A witness. An apologist, by contrast, is a person who offers an argument in defense of something. Perhaps something controversial. Perhaps something that doesn't appear to be controversial to you. But, frankly... To believe that the only way to heaven is through the blood of Jesus Christ is a pretty controversial statement. That, that you're either in or you're out. As Jesus walked along one day, he saw a man born blind since birth. His disciples asked Jesus, calling him Rabbi, which was a common term for a teacher in those days. Rabbi, who sinned? Did this man sin or did his parents sin? And that's why he's born blind. And Jesus answered, neither one of them sinned. Neither his parents nor him. But he was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. And then he spat on the ground 
mixed up mud, put the mud on the eyes of the blind man, told blind man to go to the pool to wash his eyes, and he would see. He did, he did, he did. They were healed. He now sees. Now he's giving praise to God and making quite a disturbance. And the Pharisees wanted to know, not really because he could now see, they could care less really, but all of this took place on a Sabbath. And surely someone couldn't be from God who would do work like healing on a holy day. So how did this happen? How is it that an ungodly person did this? This can't be what we're uh, seeing. Maybe he wasn't born blind. They called his parents and said, Is this your son? Was he born blind? And the parents said, That is our son. And he was born blind. Who then fixed his eyes? Well, the parents knew that if they said it was, if they even acted like they believed in Jesus, they would be kicked out of the synagogue. So the parents said, he's old enough, he is of age, ask him. They threw him under the bus, that's what they did. So, they called the parents in, excuse me, they called the boy back. And they said to him, tell us who healed your eyes. Was this Jesus? Was this the Son of God? To which the man said, I love this sentence. You know the sentence. I do not know whether he is a sinner or not, the man said. One thing I know, get this down now, though I was blind, now I see. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was blind, but now I see. Eight words. It's the best witness in the Bible. I once was, and now I am. I once was, and now I am. I once was a drunkard, now I'm dry. I once was a womanizer, now I'm true to my marital vows. I once was... Strung out on, I'm making things up by the way. I once was strung out on meth. Some of you are looking, man, he's lived a rough life. <laughs> a poor man. An apologist is different. So Ananias entered the house, laid his hands on Saul, and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road to Damascus on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days he was with the disciples in Damascus. And, and get this, and immediately... He began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem? And has he not come here for the purpose of binding us? And now he is preaching to the chief priests and to everyone else. And then this phrase, He became increasingly powerful and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus Proving that Jesus was the Messiah. Say in Jerusalem, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my apologist. No. He's not asking you to go confound anybody. Take a deep breath and let it out. Okay, I'm the only one who did that, I can tell. <laughs> Come on, get with the program. This is going to be a really long sermon if y'all don't join in. Now, you right down here. <laughs> You're it. Good, bad. 
clear, muddy, strong, weak. You're the witness. It's I I I. Uh, it's about as heavy as I get. I want this to be heavy on your shoulders. Paul, one time, speaking through a letter, said to a group of people in Corinth, a phrase, uh, used a phrase that everyone in town, everyone who read it, knew, knew immediately what it meant. If a trumpet makes an unclear sound, who will prepare for battle? Now, you'll, you'll get it because you're a smart group, but let me try to explain it a little bit. In, in, uh, in Bible times, they, they didn't have the weather channel and they didn't have radios. They had a town trumpeter. Depending on how big the town was, they might have more than one trumpeter because they had so much area to cover. But the trumpeters of a town, is that even good English? The trumpeters of a particular town, they all blew an agreed upon set of sounds. That really was kind of like a primitive Morse code. Trumpets in that day didn't have valves as we know it. Trumpets in that day were just long brass instruments. And you, you either blew a long sound or short staccato sounds. Now, <clears throat> that then meant you had this kind of option for a primitive Morse code, to use a, a word we would all be familiar with. So, like, and I'm making this part up, too long, one short, followed by too long, means the market's open, you can go to the market and buy whatever you need. Five short, it's uh, time for lunch. Go home for lunch. Three long, it's about six o'clock on Friday evening. The Sabbath is about to begin. Go home and prepare for the 24 hours of Sabbath. Four short, one long, four short. The enemy is on the hillside. Go home and get your weapons. Meet me at the city gate. Now, if a trumpeter made an unclear sound, who will prepare for battle? You could go home for lunch and end up being lunch. <laughs> That's about as much a joke as I have. <laughs> The clarity of your witness. How clear is it? If you could get it clearer, the work of getting it honed down. You don't get a lot of time anyway, really, for the most part. You don't get a lot of time. You just get a few, maybe a couple of sentences in to say, I don't know. All I know is I once was, but now I see. I'm not sure that our witness is very clear. This is a list of examples of similarity of behavior between Christians and non-Christians. I'm going to read some things. I am not trying to say anyone is right or wrong. I just want you to hear how similar the behavior is. I, I have an opinion about them, and you will too. But the point is not our opinion. The point is how similar is the behavior. For example, watched MTV last week. Of the Christian population, 19% of Christians are watching MTV of the non-Christian population, 24%. Donated money to the to a non-profit, including the church, last month. Christians, 47%. Non-Christians, 48%. Bought a lottery ticket within the last seven days. Christians, 23%. 
non-Christians 27%. Have been divorced, Christians 27%, non-Christians 23%. Gave money to the homeless or poor within the last 12 months, Christians 24%, non-Christians 34%. Have contacted a public official to express an opinion, Christians 41%, non-Christians 40%. Have professional counseling sessions within the last 12 months, 15 and 15. Filed lawsuit within the last 12 months, 3 and 4. Taking prescription medicine for depression within the last 12 months, 7 and 8. Now this list is not a list of right or wrongs. If you are on, if, well... I'm making no point about the list. I'm just saying that people watching don't see much difference. The clarity. You're it. Good, bad, right, wrong, strong, weak, clear, muddy, you are the witness of Jesus Christ. For all of our singing, blessed be the name. For all of our happiness, grace that covers, covers, covers. Wouldn't you take the time to get it down to eight words to, to, to get it down? I mean, I, I can help you with this. Really, I can. Think of one word. Don't have to say it out loud. Don't get nervous on me. Think of one word that describes your life before you met Jesus Christ. I was drunkard. I was a fornicator. I was a drug addict. I was self-consumed with my own importance. Just pick a word that describes what you were before you met Jesus Christ. Confused. I was scared. I lived with guilt. I had a lot of shame. Pick the word. You got the word? Now here's the first half of the sentence. I once was... There's the word. Now pick a word that is just the opposite of that word. I once was guilty, but now I am free. I once was a fornicator, but now I honor my vows. I once was a drug addict, but now I'm set free from drugs. I once was self-consumed with my own importance, but now I realize the world is inhabited by others. Clarity. Wouldn't you take the time? Really. If you got it down to eight words, ten words, or... I don't know. I'm kind of a talker. Eight's a little little short for me. I'm going to need to put in a few adjectives in there. I once was a terrible drunk. I once was a penny pitcher. I once was ungenerous. But now, by God's help, I am marvelously saved. I don't know. Maybe we ought to practice on each other. Mine make us uncomfortable, probably. I was preaching along this line. Went, well, 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 well let, let me say this. I, I first learned the power of a testimony. Really, of, of all things. Of all things. And this probably says more about me than it does about the church. Churches I grew up in and the churches I attend, attended. But nonetheless, I learned the power of a testimony at a Celebrate Recovery meeting. Um, I was invited to speak 
the opening session at a Celebrate Recovery meeting. Now, after that session, they break up in groups, and drug addicts are over here, and fornicators here, and pornography, and prostitutes, and you know they, they and you, you're not allowed to go into those small groups. But they had this main session, and um, I got to speak at this main session, and then when I was done, I sat down, and the guy who was in charge that day, Thumper, uh, he said, uh, now. Uh, it's time for the chips. <laughs> Duh. I, I thought they were... I, I literally thought we were going to have potato chips. I, I literally thought it. And they said, it's time for the chips. <clears throat> now, you, you may know about this, but I didn't. It was brand new to me. And maybe you hadn't thought about it in terms of your witness. Two guys came down, and two women came down. And I'll, I'll never get this exactly right, but the point's not the colors. He said, it's time for the red chip. He said, if, uh, if you trusted God last month at our meeting, last week, they had to meet with you, last week at our meeting, and you asked God to help you with a particular habit, a particular thing that you were addicted to, if you asked God to give you strength to get through this last month, and you have made it 30 days, and you have a red chip. It's time to turn your red chip in and to come get a blue chip. And so all there were 200 plus people in this room, and, and all of a sudden, all around that room, people start getting up. And, and they'd be fishing in their pocket, and they'd come. You, you know what I mean by the chips. They were like, Poker chips, you, you know, though I have no idea how you would know what a poker chip is. <laughs> shame, shame, shame. So, so they would come down and they, they'd be fishing. Now I carry a little, one of the bike groups I'm with, uh, anyway, but, but they'd fish in there and they'd come, they'd, they'd swap their red chip and they'd get a, blue, what did I say, blue, blue, and you know, hugs the guys and hugs the girls and they go sit down. Now he'd say, okay, now if, you, if you've got that blue chip and God has helped you for 90 days and you have been clean, you have been off of pornography for 90 days, you bring me your blue chip, I want to give you a yellow chip. All around that room, People were fishing in their pocket, coming down to the front. You didn't have to ask them twice. They had just had the best 90 days of their life. And they came down to the front, give me that chip. And they give you mine, and they'd hug, and they'd go sit back down. He'd say, now, if, if God has helped you for uh, six months, and you've been clean, I want you to bring your yellow chip, whatever color I was on, and bring it up front. I got a, I got a black chip for you. And all in, all across that room, people would get up, they'd fish in their purse or pocket, and they'd find that chip. They'd come down the front, and they'd swap that out. We went from six months to a year. God's been helping you. You've been clean, been dry for a year. Bring that chip down here and around the room. And of course, applause, just incredible applause was happening from their heart. Then when they got done with that one, he said, no. He pulled the red one back out. He said, let's get back to the red one. He said, if you're addicted, this is the part that really got me. And you want to give God a go. And you want to trust in the blood of Jesus Christ to save you and clean you up. I want you to come make that decision and take your first ship home. Now these people in this room, they had just, get this, this is the point, this is it. They had just witnessed all over the room People getting up and saying, He helped me for 30 days. He helped me for 90 days. He helped me for half a year. He helped me. You think He could help me? 
That's that's when it sunk into my fixed thought. The power of the testimony. They didn't even have to have all the Bible words. They didn't have to, don't take this wrong, they didn't have to know the Romans road to salvation. They didn't have to know the four spiritual laws. They didn't have to memorize Kennedy's whatever. They, they didn't have to have any of that down. All they had to have was their chip. Their chip was a testimony. And all across that room that day, people said, I, I want to try. If you, if you think you can help me, I want to try and they can be saved. If you could get your witness down to eight words, wouldn't you do that? You don't get much time anyway. Nobody's looking for an apologist. They, they pretty much decided whether or not they believed the religion of Christianity is for them or not. What they don't know is, can the hunger in my heart be fed? Can my desires be curbed? Can I be free from alcohol? Can I, can I, can I? That's what they want to know. And they're looking for people who will say, I once was blind, but now I see. You're it. Good or bad, he is. I don't take this wrong. He's stuck with you. You're it. Take this the wrong way. He is delighted to be working with you. Your value, your value... Your value was forever set on the day he did this. Rarely will anyone give their life for another person. Though for a good man or woman, some might, someone might possibly dare to die. But God has demonstrated his love this way. At just the right time, when you and I were sinners... That means when we were as far away from God as we could possibly be. He did the largest thing He could possibly do. And forever, your value has been set. I was preaching along this line one time and was at a big denominational gathering, national gathering. And one of the men who had been involved in planning, he even was in charge of one of the services. They know how they do. They kind of divvy that up. And everybody knew him. And he led one of the services. And When I was finished, milling around, people began to leave. He kind of stayed behind. And then he, when, when everybody was pretty much gone, he came up to me and uh, made sure that, that he turned on this side of me so that he could see if anybody was hearing him say what he was getting ready to tell me. And he said, uh, I want you to know, he said, I did a 35-year prison sentence for murder. Really? Yeah. 35 years for murder. Does anybody know? He said, oh no, I've never told anybody once I got out. I said, man, you're sitting on a gold mine. Do you know how many people have either been to jail or been to prison or have family in jail or family in prison or so mad at somebody 
that they're about ready to go to prison because they're going to kill them tomorrow. And you've got a chance to say, I once was, but now I... And you're sitting on it. Somehow we've kind of lost it. And um, uh, I better move away from the pulpit when I say this. So if lightning comes, it won't hurt the furniture. Uh, Somehow we've, uh, we've kind of moved away from what got us here. And, and I think I, I think I understand the reasons. We don't want to give credit to our past life. We don't want to glorify it. We don't want to. I understand that. But but the man who said I once was blind didn't didn't give any glory to being blind. He just said that's the way it was. But now it is. I once was, but was, but now I am. I don't know, Pastor. I, I, I guess I kind of wish, and this is going to make them all nervous. They're going to be afraid that maybe you'll get on with this some way. But I kind of wish when people would come up before they sang or before they took the offering or before they greeted you at the door, if they had to say, I once was, but now I am. It would just cut through so much. My dad used to preach at a lot of uh, uh, lay retreats. He 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 kind of, he didn't like uh, to preach at revival services. He never figure out. He he knew, as he would say, I don't know enough tricks to get him to the altar. That's what he said. But he'd preach at lay retreats. But he and he loved lay retreats, except he hated. Maybe that's too strong a word. He really disliked the the games they play at the very first to get every, you know the crowd breaker games. You know where you had to find out who who drove the farthest, and who has three pets at home, and who has six toes on one of their feet. Like you even care if somebody has six toes. And who, you know, those games, you had to go around the room and try to find those people, you know. He, he, and my dad used to say, it would be a whole, we would have a whole different result if you had to find somebody who had come to that retreat who had just gotten a pink slip the week before they came. And you had to find somebody who had just gotten the doctor's report with the dreaded C word. And you found somebody who's getting up early on Sunday and driving over to pick up their grandkids and hauling them to church because the kids hadn't woken up yet to their responsibilities. We'd get a lot farther if we weren't talking about weather, crops, school functions. We'd get a lot farther with people if we would just, let's see, how do I say this? Love them for the failures that we have been and they are now. That we know and they know. You're not telling anybody anything new. Just love them. Go to Jerusalem and wait. The Holy Spirit will come. And when He comes, you will be my witness. And they went to Jerusalem and they waited. And just as He promised, the Holy Spirit came. And just as He promised, they had power. You will be has now moved to, you're it. You are my witnesses. 
thus saith the Lord. Don't forget, it's a red letter. And Jesus always spoke in red letter. Now, before we go home tonight, I it's just the way I do. Do you want to talk to the Father about your witness? Do you want to say to Him, I'll figure this out. I will get out my ink pen and my paper, and I will get it down to eight words. I will get it down to twelve words. I'll have the sentence ready. So when the subject comes up, all I have to say is, all I know is, I once was, but now I am. And this would be a very good time for you to be that serious with God about your witness. See, I don't even know who. I don't know when. You can hardly mess it up. You can mess it up by fidgeting a while, trying to figure out if you can get it. Get it right and all that stuff. Well, I got a spot right here. Is there anyone who wants to say, that's my spot? I'm going to get those down. That's the spot right there. Find that one. Find that one. Got a spot right here. Anybody want to say, I want to talk to God before I go home? Wouldn't you take the time, if you could, just to get it right, just to be right, just script it, have it ready. You can sit if you want to sit, if your knees are bad. There you go. Neither sit or kneel. Okay. Anybody else? Come now if you want to talk to God about this. Father, here are some folk who very quickly would say, I once was, and I am. Somehow in the business of transmitting the gospel to the next person, we have forgotten that it is just as simple as our story. The reality is, Nobody can take our story away from us. They can't say, yeah, you weren't blind. Because you were. They can't say you weren't this or that. It's our story. It's what you've done for us. And we bless your name for it. Help us to see, Father, the strength of the story. What you have for us, and what you've done, and how you will use that. In some ways, Lord, I've seen you use 
ships. And nothing was really said about content. If you have trusted Christ, help us, I pray, to see it and to believe in it and to understand the power of our witness and the power of our story. You are a great God. You have done so much for our lives. You have redeemed us, justified us, forgiven us, healed us, helped us, strengthened us. We have a personal witness to your activity in our life. Forgive us for the times we thought we had to be an apologist. I don't know, the man said. Maybe he's a sinner, maybe he's not. All I know is, I once was blind, but now I see. Help us as we get out the pencils and paper. As we try to write it down as we hone it to be used by you. In the name of Christ we pray. And everyone said, Amen. And Amen. And Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. God is good.